Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 60 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today I have with me Rachel and Rebecca, and no, it's not the Rachel and the Rebecca of the Bible. These are modern day women of God. Welcome, Rachel and Rebecca. You And you guys have heard them before if you have listened to this podcast in the past. So it's Rachel and Rebecca. We know them. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and we are going to answer two listener questions today. So the first one has been recorded and we're going to listen to that right now. Thank you for taking my question. I intend to separate soon and... I do not know how to answer the questions that I'm sure many people are going to have, period. I don't feel like they need any explanation necessarily, but there are going to be people at work and many others that will ask, and I'm not sure how to respond. Yes, he is an abusive but there's people that don't need to know that. I don't want to begin mudslinging, and that will begin mudslinging back. I do expect a tidal wave of people asking questions, though. My husband is a very well-respected elder, and I, I know it's going to bring complications so I was curious what feedback you would give me on that. Okay, Rachel and Rebecca, what would you guys say to this woman? She doesn't want a mudsling. She, it sounds like she really, you know, just wants there to be peace. But yeah. Yeah. So what would you, what advice would you give her? I think her instincts are good. She know, She's anticipating that there's going to be all these questions And maybe she's thinking to herself, I don't, you know, there's so much to this. We all know that there's so much to say you you could say, and we know that it's not necessarily wise, even though it may be a little bit cathartic, (laughs) at least (laughs) just speaking from my own experience. Um, But it's so hard to explain to people who don't know, who haven't educated themselves about emotional abuse. And so I think it's really wise to be thinking these things through. And I think a really practical idea that you could take is, at, you know, before you separate, sit down and write like essentially a two sentence elevator speech. My husband has patterns of behavior that have uh, persisted throughout the course of our marriage that he is not willing to deal with and that I can no longer shoulder for him. And that is why we're separated. I love that. Oh, that's a great response. Yeah. And just say it over and over again. And if people don't understand, you know, I guess, depending on your relationship with them, maybe you could go a little deeper or not. They don't, it's not any of their business. Um, But having that, that you can rely on that doesn't take any brain space. um, is an automatic go-to I think is, is really going to help anyone who's trying to figure out what to say when the, when the questions come or people look at you curiously and you know that they want to, inquire about what's going on with you. 
And another, you know, too, you can always say to people, I don't feel like if they wanted to keep pursuing, most people, I think when you say what you just said, they're going to back off. But if you will get a few that are, you know, keep pursuing and you can, all you have to do is say, I'm really just not comfortable talking about that. Yeah. That's all you have to say. And they will back off at that point. If they start accusing you or saying, well, you're, you know, you are this and you are that you can say, well, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but it's my Mm -hmm. life. I have to live it. I had, I'm the one with the experience in this relationship. And I mean, I would get snarky, but (laughs) I would say, you know, if you, if you want to try them out, go feel free. I'm done. (laughs) I don't recommend it. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, I shared way too much and I I thought, Yeah, me too. And beyond the cathartic, it was like, surely, surely if I just explain it, then they'll understand. understand. And the need to have people understand is so deep. It's like, if only they would validate me and tell me that, oh man, your marriage is horrible. I'm so glad you're out. You know, that would make everything okay. Right. But But then when you start dropping words like cluster B, narcissism, (laughs) (laughs) lose them really fast. (laughs) Oh, for sure. For sure. And and so, and then, and because you've like spent all this time researching what your husband is, and if you're like me, you've tried to fix it too. um, You want that validation, but you come off, I came off looking more like the crazy one. Yeah, yeah, me too. The further I explained, the further I dug myself a hole that I couldn't yep. get out of. Yeah. Um, and so nowadays, um, it obviously it doesn't come up as much because it's, you know, five, six years gone. But I, you know, something I say in my, the back of my mind is, okay, what, what does this person, because, you know, we all have different levels of relationships and some people, I mean, they really, they really do care and they might, you know, I love Rachel's response, but they might also go one step further and say, well, what do you mean uh, patterns of behavior? What what patterns Mm -hmm. are you talking about? Mm -hmm. You know, and then, so I would just think about that person and go, you know, do they have the ability to make an impact or a difference here? And most often it's no. I mean, because it's Mm -hmm. really just you and your current or ex that can actually change anything, right? Or maybe a counselor or maybe a lawyer or a judge. <laughs> Those are probably the only kind of people who can take action. So mm. at that point, you kind of go, it's wasted breath. Yeah. And, and as much as they might love you, you might love them. If they don't understand this issue, it's just going to cause problems to try to help them understand it. If, if they're not open to it. And you'll get a feeling immediately. You'll totally understand when you start talking to somebody, if they're, if they really want to understand my best friend, she knew something was wrong because she had observed us for 20 mm-hmm. years, but she didn't know exactly because she wasn't in my home. And so when I started explaining to her, she goes, Oh, that totally makes sense. That completely- Yeah. And so for people who really do love you and are really for you, they're going to understand and and you're going to see the light bulbs go off in their eyes and you'll, and then that's where you draw your strength and your affirmation from. That is so true, Rebecca. One thing a counselor just said to me recently was, and it was so freeing. She said, you know, she's walked with me three years now and she there's certain aspects of my story that were so difficult to wrap your mind around from the beginning. And she um, said to me, she saw me from the beginning. So she believed me what I was saying Mm -hmm. and people who want, who who truly love you and are just in it without an ulterior motive 
are going to see if they want to, if they can handle it. And if they can't, you're probably better off without them. And And that's hard. Yeah. And unfortunately, I would say the mass, the, the, the majority of the uh, Christian community tend to insert themselves only for the purpose of trying to fix it with their biblical interpretations. (laughs) And so, so I, I agree, Rachel, it's the people that have been there since the beginning. And are willing to see, and, and some people are just not, they can't get past their own, whatever they think about what the Bible says, and they aren't willing to, to examine it. And that's just the way they are. And there's one thing, other, I want to say, and this is something I've had to come to understand people, anytime that someone announces that they're getting divorced, whatever the circumstances may be, people around them, they, they get into a period of grief because I don't, you know, no one wants to see that there was a marriage that wasn't what you thought it was. I just experienced this, um, this past couple of weeks where a couple I know was getting divorced. I have no idea what the circumstances are. It's not any of my business, but there is that sadness there. And I think some people, they don't know that they're sad. They're not able to handle that grief. And instead they just want to meddle and try to try to fix it, even though it's way beyond that. And you've been doing that for years and years and years. Right. And so be, be prepared for that grief response and understand what it is and, and maybe what it looks like. And it's not about you. It's about them and their own emotions. And it's understandable. And they're trying uh, but to it's work not, out their issues on you. Exactly. Yes. And that's not okay. Uh, but it is understandable. I mean, I think right. we all have a natural response to do that because life is hard and marriages are not fairy tales. Um, (laughs) even if there is no, you know, no uh, emotional abuse. In the same vein, I, on one of the Facebook groups that I'm part of, a woman said, I, a friend asked me if I feel believed and yes, I feel believed, but I'm absolutely desperate to find a Christian in my church that believes my healing is more important than saving my marriage. So this person Mm -hmm. felt like people were believing that her marriage was dysfunctional, but they, but they weren't validating her decision to end it then. And my response to that was, what if that never happens? What if nobody ever said to, gave you their permission to, to get divorced or to get separated or whatever you decide to do? But what if you could get yourself to that place where you valued your own opinion, your own experience, and your own perspective more than you valued the support and the agreement of others. And that is the opportunity that we all have. That's going from emotional childhood or thinking like a child to thinking like an adult. That mm-hmm. I, I lived a life and I had an experience and I'm responsible for making decisions for the person that I am. And nobody. Nobody has to agree with me. Nobody has to validate that. Nobody has to, uh, you know, support me in that. I, but I support myself in that because I'm an adult. That's what I do. And then I made the point that we live in our heads. So the things that we're thinking about, that is the most important space to manage is what's going on between our two ears. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we, if we don't want to live in that desperate feeling for the rest of our lives, we have to change the way that we're thinking about the situation. And instead of giving all of this power to everybody else, we need to take that power back for ourselves. And that's when you rise up. And, and fascinatingly enough, 
when you do that and when you become more confident in who you are and your decisions, some people will leave you and they're, cause they'll be like, you can't be like that. Like you're supposed to be an emotional child for the rest of your life. Cause I am, <laughs> so therefore you have to be, right. but you will also, you will start to gravitate towards and attract other emotional adults. And you're going to find out that your life becomes much more mature and richer and, uh, and safer, a safer space to be in. Yeah. You're so right, Natalie. And I love the word responsibility. I have, I have just been, this word is just like in my head all the time, because I think at the end of the day, much of what all of us went through, much of what women are going through always comes back to that word responsibility. I think we spend years being responsible for the wrong things and we allow our responsibility for ourselves to be handed over to an abusive husband, an abusive church, um, other people. And when we take it back on ourselves and we clearly draw the lines and say, you know what, I'm responsible for this and he's responsible for that things just clarify so intensely. They really do. Yes. They really do. Okay. So let's actually carry that into the um, next question, because I think we can probably even expound on that a little more. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith and destructive relationships called, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. And new for 2020, I've created a companion workbook for Is It Me? also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of my companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now let's get back to our episode. The second question is this. Um, she says, my question is in regard to Proverbs 14.1 that says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears her down, hers down. And then she goes on to say, this verse was shared with me at one point in a conversation with an older woman who knows what's been going on in my marriage. Lately, the verse comes back to my mind and triggers anxiety in me that I am somehow tearing my marriage, my family, my home down through my sin or my decision to stand up to my husband's oppressive behavior. So basically my question is, how do you view the wife's responsibility as far as her influence in her husband's life? I love this question. Yeah. (laughs) Because it has, there's just a huge background to, to what she's saying. And when I, have y'all ever watched that movie from World War II? I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second. And it's about the Enigma decoding machine. Yeah. Yeah. Is that with a uh, Cumberbatch? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. All I kept yes. thinking this morning is I'm again, this word responsibilities is on my mind and that, that, that the way she's reading the scriptures as we all did is like trying to figure out the Enigma decoding machine instead of the simplicity of the gospel. 
Mm. And so she is sitting there going, okay, what is my responsibility to create a result? And, and I think if she would step back and say, okay, wait a minute, what does the word responsibility even mean? You have two words there. You have the ability to respond, right? Mm. That means, and, and if you think about that, it's to take action. It's, you actually have control in the, in the, in the, the predicament, right? Yeah. And, and I always think of first responders too, like a firefighter, you, you go up and there's a burning building. He has responsibility because he is able to respond to that situation. He has the yes. control, right? Yeah. So she has to come to her ho- her home and, and decide, first of all, what is her responsibility? And if she thinks about it, let's say her, you know, when she didn't give specifics about what her husband was doing, but I think we can all kind of imagine um, the emotional abuse and, and all that that is there. And this feeling of responsibility and, and that feeling comes from, I think, a, 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 an inappropriate theology of Christianity. Yes. yes. And if she's able to step back and go, okay, and I wanted to give an example because I thought, well, there's words, but then an example is so much easier to understand. Um, my husband does not have a gallbladder. And because of that, he does not eat pork. And so as a woman what is my responsibility to build my home? Is it to make sure that he never eats pork? No, because why? I, I don't have the ability to respond to every situation, right? He can be out to lunch and eat pork. That, that's me, me babysitting him. Right. He's a grown adult. He needs to not eat pork or else he's going to have a problem. But my responsibility at home, my responsibility as it intersects with his issue is to not prepare pork for dinner. Cause that's what my responsibility is and where it interse- intersects with his problem is that I provide uh, the meals. I cook, I cook the dinners. And so if I were to cook a bunch of pork, obviously that's me tearing my house down. Yes. And I know this is the most simplest example. I mean, this is, has not, it's really problem. good though. It is. Use. But but instead, my action, my responsibility is very simple. Number one, it's something I can completely control. I can decide what to make for dinner and I can cook it. And by not making pork, I am ensuring the health of my loved one. Yeah. Now, you can go one more step down and say, now, here's the thing. What we live in as women in these abusive homes is the husband goes to lunch. He eats a plate of pork. He comes home and he blames you. And you're yeah. sitting there saying, I've plucked down my house with my own hands. Mm. And you haven't. He has. And so when, you, when you're able to ask the question, what is the problem? And where does my responsibility intersect with that problem? And here's what I came to in my life. While I was in an abusive marriage, I was actually plucking it down because I allowed it. But as a wise woman, I began to build my home when I divorced. Now, that's not to say everyone's solution is divorce, but mine was. And that is so counterintuitive to the way we go to our Enigma coding machine called Christianity these days, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where it should just be a simple gospel. And, um, and I shouldn't be plagued with this feeling that I'm not doing my part. So the two questions I ask is, what is the problem? Where does my responsibility intersect? But the third one I ask is, is this a reasonable person? 
Because when you read the scripture, you got to be careful how you read it when you're dealing with an, uh, uh, an unreasonable slash irresponsible person. Right. A fool. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. And there's different responses to people like that, depending upon the situation. And that requires not black and white rules that are rigid, but the Bible says that it requires wisdom. Because in Proverbs, it says, on, on the one hand, you know, to answer a fool according to his folly. And then on the other hand, and then right away, it says, you know, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him. So that's because in different situations, it, you need to apply different, you need to apply wisdom. And that's what I, that's where I think women run into a lot of problems with trying to figure things out. Like you said, the enigma code, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, what do I do? Where's the exact, where's the exact black and white rule that will tell me exactly what to do? No, the Holy, as the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit will actually give us wisdom for our situation and not other people don't, we don't get our wisdom from other people. We get our mail from God. He's the one who get who tells us what to do in our given situation, depending on our children, where their needs are, how old they are, what our finances are like, what our husband is actually doing in the home, what we are actually able to do. Some women are have the ability to do more, depending on the abuse level, than other women do. Um, but yeah. So anyway. So I was like, say, oh. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Dan. No, go ahead. you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, I was. I completely agree with you, Natalie, but I'm going to say 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I would have not understood even what the Holy Spirit was saying because my theology was the Enigma machine. It was changing. I mean, remember the the code changed every single day. They had like 24 hours to figure it out. And there was like so many million different types of possible responses and all that. And that's what in my marriage was so confusing that I could not figure out from, remember, um, I remember saying one time, oh, I feel, I feel led by God. I feel convicted to do such and such. Looking back, there was no conviction there. There was these emotionals, emotional feelings tied up with really bad theology. And so what we know in our brain, what we know are the, I mean, God works with us as whole beings. So we have our, our instruments of knowledge, our brains and the capacity and what we know. But if we are believing a wrong thing, it's really hard for the Holy Spirit to come in. And, and basically what I thought the Holy Spirit was saying, what he really was saying, I was thinking that was my sinful flesh. Mm, yep. And so I think, and that's why I remember reading the, the book Boundaries for the first time and I couldn't understand it. Because I was so messed up with bad theology, bad thinking, bad. I was so busy taking on the responsibility of everyone that it took about seven reads over 10 years to finally get boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's because you have the, so if you've been brainwashed, let's just pretend that you were brainwashed from the time you were a child to believe that if you wore the color red, that you were in a in an, a you were blaspheming God because Jesus shed His blood for us. Just pretend, okay? Right. That that's right. one of the. Then you would grow up, and even when you heard the idea that well, that's not really true. If you wore red, you would still have this conscience-driven response of, 
like, I shouldn't be doing this. I feel so guilty. I'm rebelling Mm -hmm. because of how you've been brainwashed with that idea. And that's what I believe that, that a lot of Christian women have been brainwashed with Yes, false ideas about what these verses are actually saying. Yes. And that's why they feel this conviction and this fear and this guilt. It's completely yes. false. It's not rooted in reality. So the, the, the opportunity there is to rewire their brains, to find out what the Bible really does say about these different things, and then to live out that in a healthy and positive way that actually brings you emotional, physical, and spiritual health. Amen. Yes. You know, Natalie, to build on what you just said, our consciences can become damaged. I I think probably all of us have had damaged consciences and that is not, um, that's not the Holy spirit. That's not the work of the Holy spirit. That is the work of our circumstances and the sin that we're experiencing. Um, and there was one verse in first John and I don't have it pulled up, but, um, first John is just a great book to read. It talks about how God, even if our conscience is um, t- convicts us, um, unfairly or whatever. I'm not, I'm paraphrasing here. God sees our motivations. And that verse hmm. was so freeing for me. I can't yeah. even tell you. Yeah. I, I mean, because I had such a distorted view of myself and my husband, ex-husband. And, um, it, it just was, as Rebecca said, so confusing and you've got to turn it all, um, up, you know, you've got to basically rework your understanding of who God is. And if you're feeling heaviness, if you're feeling a a really burdensome yoke, that is not Jesus. Mm -hmm. That Jesus came to set us free and he bears our burdens. He does not put more on us. Um, And so, and and it feels so wrong because we've been told that we are responsible for everything. And it's just not true. Mm-hmm. And and come to the freedom of, of, of the true gospel. And it is wonderful here. <laughs> and you know, and it's, yeah, go ahead. So, no, no, when the Holy Spirit, I always, I love that analogy of the color red. So if the Holy Spirit is coming to you and saying, you should wear the red dress today, you really think that that's your flesh. Yeah. And so you go, okay, so where do you start? If you're that messed up, if you're that, and you're not messed up, you have been used. Right. And God yeah. wants to now use you instead of letting men use you. Yeah. I say men in the sense of, you know, whether it's the church, whether it's your husband, whether it's whatever. Um, but I would say in my experience, you're right, uh, Rachel, the Lord knew my, the Lord knew I wanted to do the right thing. And so it took years. I mean, yeah. I, I come from a very, I was very brainwashed as a child and then doubly as an adult married to an abuser in an abusive church. But it, it took years, but I think the Lord just slowly started peeling back the layers, slowly yeah. wanted. And, and, and it, I loved it in one sense, because it was like all these new epiphanies, like, wow, God really doesn't say that. And, and that's not my responsibility. And I'm not going to go to hell for that, <laughs> you yes. know, whatever it was. But um, yeah. And I think um, going back to that gal's question, like when my ex-husband versus my new husband, my new husband is so reasonable if he's like, let's say it's more of a, a, not a problem with eating pork, but like, like I know right now he's dealing with an issue at work and it really gets him down. And so when he comes in um, and I can see the frustration on his face, 
so I think back, what's my question? What is my responsibility? Where does my responsibility intersect with this problem? There's absolutely nothing I can do about this problem. This is his, it's at his work. But what I can do is I can affirm him and then I can place that responsibility back on him. So I will say something like, you know, that is so not right what they're doing, but I know that you are smart and I know that you're going to make the right decision in correcting this. Mm-hmm. And so that now with an abuser, I couldn't say that. And, um, <laughs> cause, they, cause they probably wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> exactly. And they're probably lying to you about their workplace. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're probably the problem that other people are going home. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I don't know about you girls, but towards the end of my marriage, as all this stuff started coming out and, and I really started thinking a little bit better. Uh, um, I, I kind of stopped, uh, the exchanges, um, I, if he was upset, I would do an evaluation and say, okay, is it something I have done? Mm-hmm. It, it, because that, if it's something I've done, then, then I do have a responsibility there. But if it's not something I've done, if it's not something where my responsibility intersects with his problems, I walk away from it. And I mean, I would like to say loving and kind things and like to affirm him and give him back responsibility, but he's a fool. He's not going to yeah. take it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just would walk away and be like, well, that's, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. Mm. Oh, go ahead, Rachel. Oh, I found the verse and I just want to share it as a word of encouragement from the apostle John in first John three eighteen. little children. We must not love with word or speech, but with truth and action. This is how we will know we belong to the truth and will convince our conscience in his presence. Even if our conscience condemns us, that God is greater than our conscience and he knows all things. I love that. That's awesome. I will, you know what, we're going to close with another verse actually. And this one is from Galatians 5, 1. And it says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So I think that that applies here. Um, Yes. I just want to close. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Rachel and Rebecca, for being willing to come on the podcast here with me. And I want to say to those of you who are listening, this podcast, it it costs money to produce. So we have an editor of the final episode and, and I pay $35 for that. And then we pay a woman, a single mom to um, do the transcriptions and she, and so they're usually between 30 and $40 for those. And then we pay to host the podcast on Libsyn and uh, there are other small costs to it. So what I want you to know is that once in a while, someone will sponsor the podcast, but for the most part, the episodes that you are listening to are sponsored by the flying free sisterhood group, which is a uh, an education and support community that offers courses, expert workshops, live coaching, and a lot more for women of faith who are seeking hope and healing from emotional and or spiritual abuse in their, either their relationships or their communities. You can find out more about this group at joinflyingfree.com. I will say in relation to this particular episode, there are three courses 
of the 12 core courses that you would take in that group that speak to the things that we talked about today. One is about healing your relationship with God. One is about dealing with um, and recovering from spiritual abuse from um, from religious communities. And then the other one is called Bible flippers because we basically take 10 very common Bible verses that are used as weapons against women and we flip them on their head to find out what they actually say because amazingly enough, and this is just such a satanic tactic, he -hmm. takes the word of God that that communicates hope and freedom for people and he gets people to believe the opposite about what those verses are actually communicating. It's absolutely crazy. And I believe it needs to be flipped. And that's why the course is called Bible Flippers. So again, you can find out more about this group. It's closed now, but it opens up every few months and you can always get on the waiting list at joinflyingfree.com. So thank you so much for listening. Until next time, fly free.